back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. A warm welcome from me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP cast brought to you in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their fantastic consultancy services for lots of environmental issues at tecompliance.co.uk. Now, I guess this time out is British basketball's newest coaching export is teeth cut with Leicester Riders in the women's BBL with a stint with the under 20 GB programs on top. But now... We've sent him to Sweden for his first overseas stint. Kumesh Patel, welcome to the MVP cast. No, thank you for having me on board. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I mean, pre-season in Sweden, um, I'll let you confirm this. The name of your team is pronounced? Vetterbuden Sparks. I bet, I bet you had to work on that one. Oh, definitely. I got it wrong so many times. And then I got corrected a couple of times, once by Susie. And then the people got here, I learned it. And now, now once you know it, it's easier. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, a very eye-catching move from from what you were doing in Leicester. I mean, tell us how did this come about? So I've been like I've uh, been in Leicester for what com- coming up to eight years now. Um, and for me, I, I I grew through the ranks. You know, we started the academy with four girls, and then as like long story short, we got to like twenty-two, and then I worked worked my way up from under like doing the, the academy stuff, then the Division One stuff, then WBBL stuff, and then overseeing it all. So I ticked, I, for me, I ticked many boxes in the UK. Um, and one of the things I've always wanted to do is I want to coach at the highest level I can and keep going. Um, and the club knew this. And it got to a point where I'd, I'd done it, I'd, I felt like I'd done everything possible, you know, within the club and the competitions. And and I was, I was, you know, looking to what my options were. And then it happened to be that the coach at this current club had decided after four years that he was going to, like, finish or take a year out or something. Um, and then one of the colleagues, obviously Jesper, he was like, just sent that to me, um, and I sent the CV across and interviewed with them, and it and it fit really well with what I wanted to do, what they were going to do, and it gave me an opportunity to actually, you know, coach in another country, which is something I've always said I wanted to do. And when I first started, I I didn't have, I never thought I'd be good enough or whatever. Um, but luckily over the last few years, you know, I, I, we've had some success here and there, and somebody's given me a chance. I mean, it's it's nice you can sort of revert the balance of payments with Jasper Zimberg coming to Leicester and you being in Sweden now, so you know, even things out. But I mean, you know, seriously, I mean, how much how much help was was Jasper knowing you know knowing Sweden, you know, knowing you know, people there? How much help was he in terms of a putting in touch, but also kind of giving you a confidence level that this would be a right place for you to go to? Yeah, he was he was very helpful. Um, him being from Sweden, Susie, who's been at the program, she was from Sweden. And they were very complimentary of like the league and the structure infrastructure here with the people. Um, over the last few years, we played multiple Swedish teams in like preseason games. Even when Matt was there, we played Swe- uh, Swedish teams. So I knew the the teams that we'd been in the league and stuff. Um, but his, it, it, Jesper's input has been great. Like I know <laughs> when I sent my CV and the, they rang Susie first and then Jesper, then they rang me. So you know. <laughs> They were very helpful and they um, he was like, obviously I worked with Jesper for the last two years and he knows how I operate and he said I'd, I'd do you know well in this league and stuff. So I trusted that. I did have a, an opportunity to sign in Denmark, um, which most people won't know, but uh, and that was for the men's men's side of it. But it just it just didn't feel right, you know, when you're talking to people, when you're speaking to them, 
Uh, but this the this club here, it, the, when speaking to them, it felt right having like someone like Jesper to you know bounce you know questions off of and support with the Swedish players and the style. Just gave me more comfort, and this is why I think it felt better to you know come in Sweden. So he he was great help, and Susie was great help as well. It's an interesting kind of development because obviously we've seen the BBL. Where you might end up if you coach in the BBL, and the answer is at the very top of of the NBA and the WBBL, obviously a lot younger league. But in terms of coaches coming through, do you feel that it has left you perfectly prepared for this, or where do you see that you will have to kind of, I don't say necessarily raise your game, but raise the amount of of, of the skill set and the involvement that you'll you'll need to bring to this role. I think so. I think I think being in England and you know with the WBBL and you know even with the academy stuff, it's put me in good stead of you know how to plan different kinds of styles of play, like the professionalism because it's been, every year it's been growing. So there's that. But I think what I'm learning is now coming to here. I think I'm going to be challenged differently tactically, which is something I'm looking forward to. Um, when I was in England, I wouldn't say I was challenged massively tactically all the time, you know, because of different levels I was coaching and stuff. But I think the challenge here is now going to be, you know, in a new environment, a new style of play, more coaches. That I think what I've learned is more coaches in the Sweden are more based on their, their X's and O's in the half court rather than, you know, playing quicker up and, up and down the floor. Um, but the, the, the experience in England has helped me, you know, you know, learn how to plan, you know, learn how to scout, all them kind of stuff. I was thrown in the deep end quite early, you know, by, by the club which was great because it allowed me to, you know, sink or swim. And, you know, I swum. Um, and then I've had, like, a lot of good people around me, you know, to support as I've been growing all the way through, you know. Like, like just within the riders, you know, having, like, someone like Matt Harbour, or Josh Merrington was there, and Mark Jaron, we're all very cut from the very similar kind of breed and helped each other through. Um, so I think I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a solid place. Um, but I think it, there is going to have its own challenges, obviously, being in a new country. How much has the past couple of months been a cramming exercise to, to, to learn about the league learn about other players there coaches etc i mean is it has it been a huge you know troll through you know various online databases youtube clips etc etc well it was just funny i was talking to one of my colleagues here and i was just showing him like i have like four or five six different like excel sheets and you know information and video like mike i i, I spoke with michael hansomaris um who was with aru and he loves his numbers and stats and videos. And we like we watched and talked about loads of different things. So it's been a lot like this Corona stuff has allowed me to, you know, really get to know what the players are like, what some of the teams are like. The coach is a little bit different because there's been some changes and you don't know what coach is going to do year to year. Um, but for sure, like, I think it's, it's, it's allowed me to watch. I don't, I don't think I watched this much tape on different types of players, especially in the recruitment process as well. That's been the, the hardest part with this. Um, situation with everything going on but for sure like it's given me more of an insight to what other players and the league and what the styles of some players and coaches are like i mean you've started pre-season i mean i don't know london lions are in pre-season but everyone else is in a sort of sit and wait mode in this country i mean the, no start date for the wbbl for example what's what's it like in sweden i mean have you have you got firm dates for your first competitive game or what's what's yeah, the status yeah. there it's it's way different. Obviously, obviously, I was in England obviously two weeks ago, so I was working with the riders and just in the know of everything there. So coming here, I was like expecting kind of similar kind of things. But I got my schedule sent to me about a month ago. So my first games on the third of October. I started preseason this week, and I've already organised like six 
uh, friendly games, including one tournament. So in Sweden, it's a little bit different. We're full hands-on. We're going for it. Uh, they, they are practicing social distancing. You know, they're aware of it, but it's not like anything's on lockdown or any kind of stuff. We can, we're, we're full into the gym. We're full into the sports center, you know, and like I said, this week I started preseason and we're rolling from now and my first game is the 3rd of October. With with this this kind of development pathway that that you've been on, I mean, coming into the riders, you know, as a community coach, I know you were you were working in schools at that point, but where was the point in the, in all this? Where you're know, having played a bit as well for the for the Warriors, but where's the where's the light bulb moment for you go off that says, I really want to be not just a you know a coach, and you, but I want to be a really good coach sometime. Uh, it hit after, so I finished university and I came back and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, I contemplated the idea of becoming a teacher. Um, and then that's when Russell approached me knowing I had come back. I did some little work for him before I went to university, like just some sessions here and there. Um, and he approached me and he was like, oh, what, do you want to come on board, do some community stuff? And originally I just, I, I said, no, I was like, it's not something I want to do. Maybe I want to do something else. And then credit to Russell, he came back three weeks later and offered me the job again. Um, <laughs> and this time, and this time I was like, okay, yeah, great. So, um, and at the project there was a in the community there was like um, Liz Jennings and Kieran Wiltshire, who I went to like, who I knew since I was at school. So it was a comfortable environment to be in. And obviously I'd worked with Russell before. Um, but that year I did all the community stuff. You know, we I went into primary schools, secondary schools. Um, because I'm from the area, we did like um, late night hoops and all that kind of stuff and work with the police. And I grew the numbers in like the Rushimid area because, you know, there's a lot of people playing. Um, so I, I, I started doing that. I saw more and more people playing, but I got like halfway through and I was like, I realized <laughs> I don't want the participation level. I want to coach at the elite level. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got I started getting because obviously I was always a competitor and I, I started to get frustrated like in these sessions because. It was more about getting people playing rather than them wanting to play and play at the highest level. And that's where I started to be like, okay, I have to kind of change what I'm doing if I want to continue within the sport. So it came to the end of the year and I um, I decided to leave the program. I said to Russell, look, I don't want to do the community stuff. You know, it's not something I want to enjoy. And that was it. And at the, at the time, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a role, like elite level role, you know. Um, but then a few weeks later, Joe Pynchon, he spoke to uh, Matt Harbour. So funny, he's like, oh, yeah, I was with the riders doing the community stuff. I watched the riders, men, but I never really saw the women because they were in Loughborough that whole time. This was when there was Division One, and Matt was, you know, just got promoted. So I didn't really do, know anything about him or really even see him play. But Joe had worked with me all year. We made a good friendship and he knew, like, where my ambitions were, you know, similar to his. Like, we're starting here, but he wants to be high and we were very similar. But he spoke to Matt Harbour. And Matt Harbour then reached out to me and he was like, this is, this is what I'm doing with the women. We're trying to start an academy. And would you like, this is something you'd like to be on board with. And it's like, he goes, it's, I have heard you want to do elite level and this is elite level. Um, but what most people don't know is that same week, I would say, um, Dave Greenaway was my, my academy coach. So I've known Dave Greenaway for a long period of time. And obviously now he's at the Little Lions and did the Wildcats. He offered me the same role in Nottingham, assist with the academy uh, no, sorry, lead the academy and assist with him in WBBL or Division One at the time for Nottingham. And so I came to a point where I had to make a decision. 
Um, neither were paid. They were just volunteer roles, but they were both like, if you want to be an elite level, you got to start somewhere. So um, I made the decision to obviously go with Loughborough because main thing was I'd, I'd worked with Dave before, obviously as a player. So I felt like I knew his style of teaching and stuff, whereas Matt had never worked with, so it's someone new to learn from. And then I was honest, like, because it was like a, a not paid role. I didn't want to get to like November, December, hate driving, you know, to like practice, which is like half an hour away. Um, so I ended up doing that while being a TA. So I was a TA from eight till four. And then I was, and then I drive to Loughborough and be in Loughborough from like six to 10 doing the division one team as, as a volunteer and then assisting Matt with the WBBL team, you know? Um, and luckily that year we, <laughs> the, we, <laughs> we and Matt sat down. The plan was to get, we had like, uh, Eleanor Jones, Becky Taylor, Jess Davies, you know, they were the up and coming younger ones. So the aim was for me to get them ready to go to play, you know, at the top to the, the first team with Matt while using the Division One team. And Matt was like, the year before, that team only won one game. So he was like, if you can win two, great. You know, that's <laughs> what it is. It's there for development. So we joked around with him. I'm like, but Matt, I'm not used to not winning, like, as a player and stuff. And he's like, this is what's best for him. So I said, great, I'm on board. We somehow had an incredible year. The girls really brought into what we were doing. The university girls really brought into it. We ended up finished seconding, seconding the, second in the league with that second team. And then with the first team, we, we won the whole thing. That was, you know, the first year with Georgia and Rhea, all them. Like, we won the whole thing. So then Russell was like, okay, this is a good moment to continue to build. So he took a shot. He was like, look, I know you want to do the elite level stuff. I was again in the summer and I was like, look, I can't do this again. I can't be a TA and work full time for the riders. As, but it's a volunteer role, but it was full time with two teams. So I was like, in the summer, I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to go do something else. I, I applied for a teaching job and I got a PGCE like for PE, which is one of the harder ones to get onto. The same day, Russell rings me and he's, he offers me a job of being, uh, he said he's going to create a job at Charnwood. We don't have an academy coach. We don't have a, we only have four players, but he says we can start something. Um, and I spoke to, spoke to my teacher mentor and he was like, can you be a PE teacher anytime? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. You just apply for the course. He goes, can you be a basketball coach anytime? at the elite level that you want to be. I'm like, no. He's like, well, go do that. So we did that. And the first year was always a battle because we joked around with it, but it was always, we only had four girls. The boys had like 12 or 14 players and the boys were carrying the girls. And it was always like, it was always made clear. Like if the program doesn't grow, you don't have a job. And I was like, this is like a risk, you know? Um, but I really enjoyed it. And like I said, we, we had some success with the, the four we had, then the three that came and then we had a stronger group. And then obviously Charnwood grew from there. Um, and then that's where I got more and more into the elite level, you know. But um, I took that shot of, you know, not going from, from community to then becoming a volunteer coach at the highest level and then create a pathway, you know, with the supporters and Russell to get where, where I am now. I mean, you talk about, I mean, Charnwood, I mean, you know, now really recognised as one of the best women's youth programmes in the country and, you know, the, the WA. BL program, uh, you know, participation alongside that. But what do you see from from that program? You know, and having done these different roles, and also the role you're in now, how how do you replicate that? What's the kind of secret for something like that for you to get our best young female talent in this country? How do we duplicate that and replicate that across the whole of the UK? Um. I've had multiple conversations with different people, but my my logic, I think I think people take this one or two ways. It's like I think there's too many places that try to do that. So our our, our talent pool isn't very big. So when you do that, we stretch our talent over multiple places rather than having them in certain areas. 
Um, and then the next thing is, I think what most people forget is like, you want daily competition, you know? Um, we tried, we always get, I always got stick for it, but we always, we always had a, a stronger number as the years went on. People don't remember when we only had seven, you know? We brought university girls to support that. But when we grew, we wanted our competition levels on a daily basis to be high. Um, and how that can only work is if, you know, the, the, the stronger talents are in the same, same academy somewhere, you know? Um, and, and then allowing that group to flourish, you know, in, in the women's league in Division One, and then trying to push them and practice into the WPBL pathway. But I think the key, key issue is, I think it's like, we need to have less academies with more of the talent going to a couple of places. Because when they go against each other more every day, that's when they're going to push each other. And then how we do it, well, how I, I, I try to explain to the players when they, if they want to come to us, it's like there's going to be an environment where you're going to get to play, you know, you're going to learn what you learn, you get to apply. But there's going to be an environment where I want you to struggle. I want, I say to them, I want you to struggle. I want it to be hard for you. I want you to be like, this is a lot. Because that's where we're going to get the growth and the challenges you want. You know, so we always had Division One and WBBO, but then we had it under 18s. So that we always have that environment where they got to play, but also the environment where, you know, you're going to get challenged. And I said, the moment you're not getting challenged, you're, gonna, you're the best player in the program, you know. Um, and I think that's where we need to get to in multiple places in the country so the girls feel that on a daily basis, you know. Being, being the best two in your program and then the next five are so far off of you, I don't think you get that and really being challenged on a daily basis. And I'm not, this isn't at anyone, but... I just think that's how I believe we can create better talent, you know, moving forward for the senior team. How do you strike that balance as a coach of, of teenage girls, young women? We've seen it in other sports. I mean, you know, particularly with gymnastics at the moment, that kind of culture of of young women you know, feeling that they're being bullied, being you know, taken advantage of, being, you know, not not receiving the kind of level of mentorship and education that you want. And, you know, and sometimes obviously coaches can do things wrong. Sometimes it's, it's a matter of just not being experienced enough about doing it the right way. How did you go about sort of constructing an environment of which young females could feel secure, able to make mistakes, to learn, to, you know, to grow as people, but also improve as basketball players? I think one of the key ones was uh, when the when the girls arrived and the environment were in, they know it's an open environment. So like I am going to be honest with them, but they need to be honest with me. And um, I want to help not only on the court, but off the court. And I think they, they started to learn that and understand that, which we got more out of them. And for me, it was always, I don't mind if you make a mistake, but what we want to do is, was it was it the right decision to make at the time, you know? And one of the biggest, one of the biggest things I always said, and a lot of girls will remember this, is like I always ask them, was that a good life decision? And if they say yes, great. If they say no, well then we talk about it. Um, but it's always open. And then for me, I try to get as many assistants that are around. Like I had this one, Ali Paul was with me for like four years, and he was another body that was always around for them to talk to, you know. And like we, what, like my thing was like, if you're honest with us, whatever the honest conversation is, that's not going to be reacted on. It's if it's you're not honest, and we found it afterwards that causes more tension. And I think that allowed them to grow and be honest where we're at. And then I was, I always let them know there's environments where 
you know, they are going to find it difficult, but they already know that. So when coming into it, it's easy conversations with them say, look, this is meant to be like this. You're meant to be like this. But in a few weeks, I bet you feel differently. So we always have checkpoints with them as well. Um, and then they have the right to speak with us as well. You know, they know, like they say, hey, this is too much. And we need to adjust this or the loading. I feel like it's too much or I'm having stress with this much. We have that. And then over the last few weeks, we, we, we brought in like a sports, sports psychologist, you know, and um, they had time to have group sessions with him and then individual sessions with him as well. Um, and even like, even like last year, we, we, we brought in just a welfare officer. Uh, she was only for the basketball program and she dealt with all the kids, you know, on and off the court. So they had someone to go speak to that wasn't basketball related, but could help them. So we tried to create an environment where they know they have someone that they can go speak to and be okay with them. And if they are open and honest, there isn't a reaction. There's a, okay, let's put support into that mechanism or put a support mechanism in there for them to succeed. Do you find, I mean, you to, you know, you talk about life decisions and we all talk, talk, I guess probably sometimes globally about the power that basketball has to, to, to change and mould young people especially. But, you know, when you sit back as a coach and you know, some of these players will go on and play semi-pro, maybe even professionally, you know, as well. Some will just play for fun. How, how at that age... Do you, again, it's, we talk about balance, but I mean, how do you get that balance between making sure that they are learning something for life, that they can take on, that they can continue to enjoy this game because the attrition rate for, for young girls is horrific. Mm. But also, you know, for those one, two, three, four that you really know that can make it, that, that they're getting pushed in a way. I mean, it, it, is, is there a two-tier process there or is it does it have to be one size fits all? So the, the process we have is like I've targeted certain things that I believe that can help you on and off the court, um, mainly like life skills. So like two things I always say, which are under taught but expected is time management and organization. I think everyone always expects, they always say, hey, you need to have better use of your time. You have to be organized. But I think it's something that needs to be taught, you know, and that can be used in any part of your life. So one of the biggest things I brought in when I first started was scheduling, you know, so the girls make their own schedule. They manage their own schedule. And on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, I will look at their schedule. And on the schedule, they can put whatever they want. So, you know, like when they're at class or when they're studying or they go into the cinema or they're lifting, whatever it is. And what we just ha- we just have good discussions about, okay, how do, you, how do you see you're spending your time and is it equal balance? And I say there has to be three. So, okay, you're with us for basketball and then there's education and then there's also social. Um, so having like, you know, like a life or speaking to your family and your friends and, you know, being happy. And I say, I need all three to align. It can't be two and one goes missing, you know, any of them. And we need to target all of them. So sometimes I've had to say, hey, we're going to do less basketball and you're going to do something fun or manage your studying so you're not overdoing yourself. So I was trying to find that balance, but them to organize themselves. And, the girls that have gone on to the US or, you know, in university in England, they've spoken to me and saying, like, that's helped them now because now they're in a better situation of managing their own time. And that, you know, I think that that's something that that needs to be done from an earlier age. So they can learn that it's not like, OK, even if you want to be the best player in the world, if you don't have a social aspect, you're going to struggle in a different area. Like you're not going to have someone to talk to or, you know, when you're stressed or you're not going to be happy, like it has to be managed. Um uh, but what we do is use that schedule and then I, then we can go individual into where we can help certain people, you know, because everyone, like you said, like everyone has their own different areas where they need to be, where they want to be focusing. 
so we can help adjust that a little bit better for other people. Some people, it's like, hey, we need to put more emphasis on your schoolwork. Some people, it's, hey, listen, maybe we need to pick a little bit more basketball because you said you want to play at this level. Or the other one is like, look, you're focusing on this and this, but I need you to spend some time with your friends or with your family just so you have a release so that we can make that situation better as well. But they're the, they're the, they're the, they're the skills I think that are important. And it's got nothing to do with basketball. That's just going to help you, you know, when you're at work or when you go to education in the university, you know, in all aspects of your life. I mean, you spoke about making the right life decisions there. I suppose it's maybe an appropriate segue into you know, the big news in, in, in British basketball this week, the return of Holly Winterburn. You know her very well. Yeah. Had your Oregon took the transfer to, to UC Davis, now back at Leicester to, to study at Loughborough, to be a, a professional contract. Now, she has spoken about being homesick, clearly didn't enjoy Oregon, and knew you were you know in touch with her at, at, at points in time. Mm-hmm. There's, there's also the argument there that some have ventured is, is there an, you know, does does that show that you that Holly was someone who wasn't prepared to make the sacrifice? That's it, you know, that if playing devil's advocate from from some, mm. how how do you read this move in terms of because you know it's, it has been hyped up as a, a vote of confidence in the WBBL, but yeah, where do you where do you see that knowing her well that this this process has come from and where it still might lead? So I think the process started from earlier. Well, most people don't know, like. Holly has been playing at the highest level since she was like 15, 16, and she's always pushed herself to be the best, you know? Um, and most people in England will know that when you've seen her, you know? But just as any other girl, like, she wants to enjoy her life as well, you know? Um, and this is where people don't understand when we're working with younger players is, yes, they might be, you know, very good, but they also need to enjoy what they're doing. So that's why when I, when I, when I was leading with her, there were some times where she it was discussed that she's going to play with her her own age group of peers because it's her friends, you know? You need that. If you're never around them, it can have a, a, a detrimental effect. Um, but speaking with her, she always wanted to, you know, go to America, play at that level, see where she can go next. And then uh, what most people don't know, when she was looking at a recruitment, she had three different choices. She had Oregon, she had UCS, USF, and, and UC Davis. So she had three different levels of teams, different, different styles and different, you know, levels. Um, originally, I think, you know, she wanted to go to UC Davis because she wanted to be the best player, you know, or make an impact from the get-go, play from the get-go, you know. But as that year went on, we had success with that WBBL team in my first year. I did it. And she then made that decision on her own that she was like, she actually wants to see how good she could be, you know. Can she be, you know, how can she compete against the best? And then she came to her decision on her own that Oregon was where she wanted to go just to see if she could compete with the best. You know, um, and her experience there, she was like, she loved the practices, she loved the girls, and she knew she could compete with them. But what she did realize was it, it, it's more, it's more, it's not, uh, it's it's more like a business. You know, you're already into that level of professionalism straight away. Um, and that's not something she wanted to continue for three more years, you know, um, because she wanted to still play, but still enjoy what she's doing, but still compete at the highest level, but not feel like it's, a, a business straight away um and then you know she did made the decision to go to uc davis you know you know that there was already a list a team on her list before she knows the coach staff you know she like the way she plays and also you know having megan jones there as well you know some comfort of her best friend being there as well and that gives her the balance you know because she's always still got, like she's always still going to compete she's always still going to try to be better 
she's still always going to grow. And then the whole situation with Corona happened. And then that, that, I think that put the more of a situation where a lot of people were thinking about, and maybe it's better to be home, you know, she's always been close with her mom and her dad. Um, and then we always discussed it. Like Holly's always wanted to main thing for her was always the, we'd use basketball as a vehicle to get education, you know? Um, and then we spoke about, we should be spoke about her coming back. And for me, I was, I was like, I've always had the same thing to her. And most of the girls is I will, I will support whatever makes you happy, you know? And if that means coming back, great. But if we're coming back, we're still, you know, we're still looking for this. We're still looking for this. So she made, I think she made a good mature decision because like, like, like I said, she was, she likes to be with her family and stuff. The, the, the America is a, a lot of question marks at the moment with Corona and if the season's going to go ahead, if not, the WBBL has been getting better and, you know, she's coming back to Loughborough and, you know, she's getting a full scholarship. You know, same as she's getting exactly what she'd get in America, um, which I think this is a good sign and a good step where if more universities can start to do this, maybe, we, we, you know, we retain more players in England, you know, because it's good education. It'll make the league better. And she's already starting a professional career now here as well, but in an environment she feels comfortable with and she can balance her time, like we said, with education with you know her social life you know with her family and stuff um and her basketball so i think i think the process has been a long time but she's as she's got it's been a pleasure working with her since she was like 15 16 but as she's every year she's becoming more and more of an adult and making like very good like decisions not just thinking about one thing but thinking about all aspects of her life so can she Given the trajectory that you have seen her on, that we've yeah. all seen her on, you're coming through as a you know, fantastic junior the year before she left. She was already one of the best players in, in the WBBL. She, yeah. you know, in Oregon, the awards that she won, the stats she put up, clearly on her trajectory to be a very good college player on an exceptionally yeah. good program. Coming back to the WBBL, can she still maintain that upward trajectory at that same rate? You know, with the the standard league, despite its improvements, is it still going to allow her to to keep being a better player year on year and stay on the same path? So yeah, so if she if she if she stays at Oregon, I think it's different. Oregon's a high level, Pac twelve's a high level, and week in week out you're competing against you know a lot like like on her team, three of them going to the WNBA. But when she made the decision to go to UC Davis, I think that that's a way lower conference, you know. Um, and is it is it is it too far? Is it far, is WBB better than that? You know, maybe. Um, so that that maybe make maybe a higher step than that situation in that conference. Um, can she continue a trajectory? I know Holly like herself. She will continue to push herself to be better. You know, but the, I, I'm like I said earlier in the conversation, the level of competition that you face on a weekly, daily basis is what allows you to grow to a higher level. Um, she's in a good situation with the riders having a very competitive team. So practice week in, week out will be competitive. There are teams in the WBBL which are getting stronger, but there are some teams that aren't as strong. So, you know, being in, being in the Pac-12 and playing against Sabrina every every day is going to force you to be considerably better, quicker than compared to being, you know, in the UK. But I think she can still play at a high level, you know, three years, be like, like, defining her skills after three years who knows she could be a, a stronger prospect playing in europe somewhere you are i'm not saying unique but amongst a very small group of 
coaches and even former players of, of, of Asian origin in the UK and involved in British basketball. And we've had so much talk over the last few months about inclusion, about in, in dif- diversity, about different different ethnic groups being rep- represented within within sport and in British society, of course, as well. How have you viewed the way that that British basketball as a as a sort of broad church has been able to engage the 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 Asian community in this country because the the lack of visibility is terrible the rapid representation is terrible the amount of professional players that have come through is terrible I, I'm not asking you to be a spokesperson for everybody but <laughs> what, what's your view and then your through your prism of of, of that situation been I, I like I said I before we were talking it's just for me i i thought there would there are more there are there, there are a lot of asians that play a lot of sports um but i think they get to a stage where if they're not going to make like a professional career out of playing they don't know what the other avenues are for them to continue to be involved in the sense of coaching at a high level or supporting in a high level or you know just different areas so um I don't think that's well known or publicized enough. There isn't, for me, this was one of the bigger things that there isn't a role model, you know, of an Asian descent in, in, in basketball that I know of. Um, and that makes it harder for people to be like, oh, I want to aspire to be like them, you know? Um, and so if there are Asians that are doing well, I don't, I don't think that it's been uh, publicized well enough that other Asian community can see it. Um, and I think that has a massive effect because if they see more players or more coaches being successful, that naturally inspires others others to do it. Um, like in like Justin Lester, that we have a high Asian pop- population mm-hmm. there, and like Arushmid, when I played at that school, like there was twelve players, nine were Asian, you know. But I was the only one that continued to go further with it because they didn't know where the avenue will take them or if there's an opportunity for them. And I think there needs to be more exposure for that because. In, in around in in England, it's a high it's a high population of Asians, you know, and they all they, they play the sport of men, different sports with basketball as well. But I don't think there's enough, you know, promotion of people being successful that in you know motivates other people to continue to do it. You know, I was lucky that my PE teacher was really really big on uh, basketball, um, and he really pushed me pushed me and supported me to do it. And then I was around people that continued to push me to do it, and I enjoyed it. Um, but my friends didn't have the same thing. But I know for sure, like you know, there are there are there are more Asians trying to be cricket players because there's more people looking forward to, and and parents, even though the older generations can relate to, and you know that you know they, they can be successful with. Whereas with basketball, there it's always that question. They're like, oh, you do that? Oh, I never really see anyone like that. And like just in England, like okay, we were talking about it, but I I don't see many Asian coaches, and the ones I do know are from from Leicester and doing the junior stuff, but. When you get to the elite level, there's 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 there isn't any, you know. Is there a way um, to bridge that gap? Because you know, even if we go to the NBA level, obviously they've put a lot of money into their academy in, in India, but it's yeah, it's brought mm. through a couple of players, but no one that's that's made the leap into the league. Just you know, guys that are in the G League or their or their academies, you know, so that the faces aren't going to be there anytime soon. Even the BBL, it, the faces aren't necessarily coming through in the in the, the junior programs etc is, is there a way though to kind of what where's this change have to come to particularly say to young kids but also to their parents you know this is this is a sport that 
offer something for you? I think it's got to be from a, a younger age, you know, just so they, as growing up, they know these are the different options they can get involved in, including the parents as well, and see, you know, maybe some like case studies of who has continued with it or what are the options of it, you know. And it doesn't have to be Asian cases, just like this is this is a sport, this is what the options are, and this is open to everyone. Um, I think if that's done from a younger age, they know growing up that's a, poss- a possibility, you know. Um, and then, obviously, for me, from the elite level, if there is anyone in that level, it's, it's celebrating them more, you know, same as we do with everyone else, but just more more celebrations of that. So it catches the eyes of other people. Like, like this year, like the, the riders last year just gone... Um, Joe Pinchin, we talked about it for a couple of years, but we did like a Diwali kit, you know? Mm. That that already increases. One of Joe's many herbrains, yeah. but amazing schemes. Exactly. And that for me is like a really cool thing. And it just it brings a community of Asian already to that sport. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, you link Diwali to it. And then they see, and then they see there's actually different options for them to be, to be involved. So I think just, as, just like anything else, I think it's just the education earlier on saying it is an inclusive sport for everyone. You know, I've never felt like nobody ever wanted me to do it. Everyone was always fully supportive of it. Um, I just think they they just need to know that there is an option to make a career, even if you don't play. Like, it's a common theme, but, like, a lot of my friends will go into accountants or work in the medical field, you know, because brought up, that's where, like, that's where it's a good uh, sector to be in. There's good jobs in it. But in sport, I think they just need to understand that there are different options and there are people that make it that not just players, you know, there is like physio or there is like a strength and conditioning coach or there is coaching or a video analysis. Um, but I think there needs to be better pathways for people to know that there is the opportunity to continue to make a career out of. You were able to put put these talents and you know, into in, into use in a very interesting way. And you you, you went over to, to India to Kolkata to 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 engage in and help with a program that that was, I guess, working with women in in sports. I mean, tell us about that. It was a great opportunity. Like, um, women in sports, an organisation in Calcutta, formed by three women and a, a a gentleman that he's big on. Like, he's like he's agents for football, but they want to, they just want to help the sport grow. Um, and they they said to me, they emailed out to over hundred coaches in America and in England. And I was only, I was one, I was the only coach that replied back, you know, um, and maybe, maybe because he was from India, you know, that appealed more to me, but um, they emailed back and I asked them what the project was. And they were like, look, they're the region of Calcutta uh, in West Bengal and they want to make the region better, you know, from a, from a youth age. Um, so they, they were like, do you have any ideas for that? And I'm like, I've done a lot of stuff and, you know, talked about how I think a pathway should be. Uh, but they also wanted coach development because it's not something that I could do for a full year. It was like, you know, we'd go in, we'd go there for two weeks and check in every every so often with the coaches and over Zoom calls and then go back every year. So the plan was to go back this year. Um, but then I was like, OK, I need to figure out, like, I know my strengths with developing players, but I needed someone that I under- that I believe could develop coaches as well, you know. And that's something, that's where Matt Harbour came into it. He's very good at his coach development. And he wants to make coaches better. So we, I brought him on board and we agreed to go. So we worked with over 430 kids and 65 coaches over a 10-day span, you know, doing three or four sessions a day. Um, and we had up to like 40 kids a session, you know. 
Um, and it was sitting down with them, talking about style of play, you know, talking to them about player development and what kind of players we're looking for, um, how we can help them grow, how we can help the coaches grow, because the education they've got in basketball is way behind, you know, the stuff they were, they were, they were taught and stuff. So they're all open and engaging. And the women in sport really funded that. So they funded me and Matt to go, you know, just because they wanted that sport to be better in that area. And then now it's agreed meant to make it like a, a yearly thing. So we've done a couple of Zoom calls this year, speaking to their, their, their staff there, and all the coaches there. Um, we work with their regional head coaches um, while we're there. Um, and then the players and the aim is to go each year and try to keep building better and having a better infrastructure with them. Uh, but it's it's like it's impressive. Like I went there and I, I like I said I saw four hundred fifty you know Indian kids wanting to play. There were sixty five Asian coaches wanting to learn in schools or there were like regional coaches or we had one the one or two national team junior coaches and um, it's just it was just a really cool project for an area that wanted the kids and we started we had to start practice at like six a.m. because if we started later the heat was too hot because we were outdoor courts. And there were kids traveling in two, three hours by scooter and bus and always there on time. The parents are there, so like super engaged and all wanting to learn and get better, you know. Um, and it's an environment that, you know, I think can continue to grow. And like I, I'm a strong believer, like, OK, yeah, NBA were, you know, in China trying to push that and then Africa. I, I think they're now moving into India. And they're, like I said, there's there's a you know, there's over a billion people there. There's going to be one or two that can, you know, play at the next play at the next level. But they make a good point. It's like they need the biggest thing for them was that they wanted us to work with their coaches. They were like, the kids learning from you is great, but these are the people that are going to work with them on a daily basis or weekly basis around. So we made we 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 always did two practices and there for coaches to watch with the players and the players got to play. Then we did a, like a third coaches clinic as well where we went through different aspects allow them to ask questions in the classroom sessions, you know, and the aim is to try to do that more. And hopefully we can develop one or two, one or two, one or two every more, and they can pass it on. And, you know, over the years, make that a better infrastructure for them. Which makes, in terms of anything that you've got back here, I guess it makes you appreciate it just that little bit more. Oh, definitely. Like, like we, we everyone's talking about, we had, to, we had three outdoor courts the whole time. There was no in, indoor facilities or anything like that. So, that like S and C stuff that wasn't there. The balls were like outdoor balls, you know, like they appreciate more but every kid, every coach was there. They were there listening in the heat, you know. And like you said, what we have here and what we've grown here, we, we can definitely take it for granted for. Um but it was just it was just great to see like another country, you know, wanting to just build a better infrastructure so that in the future they can have a better pathway for their players, you know and focusing on the coaches um, and trying to bring people in. So, like I said, like, the, me and Matt, it was like a volunteer, so they, they covered our, like, flights and hotel, and we gave our time for that. But for me, I said to Matt, it's a bigger project because it's in India, you know? I want Asians to play more. I want Asians to succeed more because I don't see enough of them, in my opinion, you know, at the highest elite level in many sports, you know, um, apart, apart from cricket. Um and I, if I if I can help that in any way, I want to continue to do that. And one of the questions I was asked is why why do I do it? And it's like I want to continue to grow as yes for myself and stuff, but just so that other people know that there is this opportunity to play. Like I get it all the time when I first started. It's like my family was is like you you want to do basketball? Like it's like a big question mark, <laughs> you know? And for me, I was like I need to succeed for them so that 
my family can speak to other family and be like, look, it is a good decision. Look what he's doing. It's great. Like, I didn't never, it's like, it's a big thing. Like, I don't want my family to have like, oh, he, his son does this. And it's, 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 it's just a stigma. So I, I need to continue to grow for, for, you know, for them to be like, it's the right decision. But also hopefully there are other people that might see and be like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that, you know? And where is that end goal? I mean, last last point to, to, to finish on. Where do you see this going? Now you've got your first shot overseas. Nice, great opportunity. Where's the end point for you? For me, I've always said I want to coach at the highest level. You know, I want to keep pushing myself to be at the highest level. Like, someday I'd like to be senior national team coach. You know, that's something I really want to aspire to be. And and I want to be a head coach in one of the top leagues. You know, where that where that is, I don't know. You know, depending on where people believe my highest level is, but I want to keep going as high as I can go. Um, originally, I really, really wanted to go to America. You know, coaching like collegiate division one. But as my time is growing, the more more I'm realizing it's it's I don't think it's valued as well. You know, so what we're doing here, you when you go back when you go to the US, you you start further down again to the, like value what you're you've been doing. Um, and then I realized that I want to go somewhere where I can be head coach straight away because I enjoy that areas more. But for me, I want to coach at the highest level possible. Recently, like I want to see if you know, Sweden is one and see what other places in Europe might have to offer. But Australia really offers to me. Like I like the brand of basketball, what they're doing, the teaching stuff they're doing there. Um, and like America is the place where it's the biggest. Um, so at some point I w- would like to do that, but only for the level, you know, that I think I like to be at, you know, the highest level, not going in a lower end. I know that sounds a bit different, but it's 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 I wanna be able to be like this is the highest level I've been coaching. I wanna be, you know, that that, that British Asian that's coach at the highest level, you know. And uh, I I've gotta keep trying to find where I can do that. But I know I've gotta to continue to develop where I am, keep learning and hopefully just hope that somebody gives me a chance somewhere else. Well, it's a great start to do what you're doing this season. Best of luck with the We'll just call them the sparks up in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, easiest way. <laughs> so I hope That's you, what I normally go for. Hope you have a great season, Commission. Thanks for, for joining us on the MVP cast. No, I appreciate you, Mark, and thanks for having me on and the great work you've been doing. Thank you, man. Take care. That's all for this edition of the MVP cast, brought to you with our sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Give them a follow up on social media at T Compliance. Limited now, you can, of course, subscribe to the MVP cast via your preferred podcast provider or stream all our previous editions at mvp247.com which is where you can get all your basketball news another edition of the mvp cast though coming very soon but for me mark woods thanks for listening and it's bye for now